everyone, this is Chad Harms, the pastor of Creekside. Thanks for taking some time to listen to my latest sermon, a sermon about someone in the Bible who was isolated, kind of like we are now. It will play in just a minute, but before it does, I want to say thank you. I want to say thank you for listening. Our sermons have been listened to almost 20,000 times since last July 1st. That is a staggering number. And it's a number that represents a lot of people hearing biblical teaching and the gospel story. This only happens by people like you listening faithfully, but also leaving ratings and reviews and sharing with their friends. And so from the bottom of my heart, thank you. I appreciate you being with us each week and I appreciate you helping us take the message of Jesus and the story of the Bible further to more people. So once again, thank you. I hope that this sermon will help you to learn and live more fully for the glory of God. Good morning, everybody. My name is Chad. I'm the pastor of Creekside. Thank you for being with us today and welcome to my garage office. Right now, we know that there's lots of bad things that have come and will come from the pandemic that we are facing. But this morning, I want to focus on what I think is a really important and positive question, and that is this. What good things can come from the pandemic that we are currently facing? In this series of sermons that we're currently in the middle of, we are studying people who were isolated in Scripture for short and long periods of time. Really, we're focusing on how they responded to those times of isolation and what God did through the isolation that they faced. So far in the series, we've really seen two kind of big ideas in the first two sermons. The first is that God is going to use this for our good, that he is with us, that he loves us, that his mercy and grace is being poured out on us. And if we love him, he is going to use this for our good. Last week, we talked about how crying aloud to the Lord, really prayer will turn isolation into preparation. So, so far, we've kind of had this general idea that, that God will use this for our good if we love him. And, and we've kind of had this general idea that we must cry aloud if we want this isolation to be preparation. But we haven't talked about any specific things that God might do through what we are currently facing. And so this morning, I want to look at two stories that really, I think, answer that question. What are some good things that might come from the pandemic and the social distancing that we are living through right now. To say it in, I think, a better way, what are some good things that God might do through this time of isolation that we are currently facing? The two stories that we're going to look at this morning have a couple of things in common. First, they both uh, involve big animals. And second, and more importantly, they are both stories about how God rescues in the midst of of isolation. The stories are the stories of Jonah and Daniel. Jonah in the whale, as you know it, and Daniel in the lion's den, as you probably know it. Let me read to you Jonah 1, 15 and 16. Then they took Jonah and threw him overboard, and the raging sea grew calm. At this, the men greatly feared the Lord, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him. No context, but here's what happens to Jonah. This is what we're going to focus on today. He is thrown overboard. And then, as you maybe know, he was swallowed by a great big fish. In Daniel 6, 16, so the king gave the order and they brought Daniel and they threw him into the lion's den. The king said to Daniel, may your God whom you serve continually 
rescue you. Here's these two men put in a grave danger, isolation in some ways, if you will, dangerous and scary isolation, but isolation nonetheless, Jonah in a sea and Daniel in the lion's den. But it's really important to hear the background of their stories that kind of lead them to these moments because the background to their stories is really telling and it's really important for understanding their time of isolation. Uh, Jonah, if you don't know the story, was a prophet and God came to him and he said, I want you to go and I want you to preach to the city called Nineveh. Nineveh, though, was a great enemy of the Jewish people of which Jonah was. And and so Jonah, uh, it says this in the Bible, ran away from the Lord. Jonah got on a boat and he headed to Tarshish, which was a city in the opposite direction of Nineveh. And while he's on this boat, there's a major storm and Jonah's sleeping through it, but, but the men wake him up and, and Jonah basically says, if you throw me overboard, then this storm will go away. It's because I'm running from God and the men on that boat, the sailors, they paddle and they paddle and they paddle and they try to, they try to get to dry land, but the storm continues to grow. And so they make the decision to throw Jonah overboard and Jonah is thrown into the sea. And then in Jonah 1.17, now the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights, three days and three nights of isolation. Daniel's story could not be more different. And that's one of the reasons I wanted to tell you these stories briefly this morning. Daniel's story is really one of faithfulness and not one of running from God. Jerusalem was overtaken by by the kingdom of Babylon with a king named Nebuchadnezzar and Daniel and three guys named Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are taken to Babylon along with all the handsome, smart young men from Jerusalem, or at least a lot of the handsome, smart young men in Jerusalem. And Daniel and his three friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they say to the the guard in charge of them, we don't want to eat the food that the king puts before us because that would violate God's law and we don't want to be unfaithful to what God God has called us to do and to be. And so they go on to this diet of vegetable and vegetables and water. And after time, they look more handsome and healthy than, than all the people who were eating from the king's table, who were eating the allotment given by the king. And then it says to us that God grew these men in, in their knowledge and their understanding. And he gave Daniel the ability to interpret dreams. And they are brought into the king's service. The king found them to be 10 times wiser and more helpful than all the other wise men in Babylon. And then King Nebuchadnezzar has a dream and, and, and the four men pray that Daniel will be able to understand the dream and interpret the dream. And he is able to do that. And, and then there's this other crazy story kind of in the midst of all this where, where this same king, King Nebuchadnezzar, has this giant uh, statue built and he commands that all people fall down on their faces and worship this statue and Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego refuse to bow to this statue because they don't want to worship an idol, something that God is not pleased with. And, And so they're thrown into a fire and God saves them from that fire. Uh, Then there's another dream and Daniel interprets it. And then there's writing on a wall, literally like a sign and Daniel explains it. And then King Nebuchadnezzar dies and Darius becomes king. 
In Daniel 6, 3 through 5, this is what we read. Now, Daniel so distinguished himself among the administrators and the satraps by his exceptional qualities that the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. At this, the administrators and the satraps tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel in his conduct of government affairs, but they were unable to do so. They could find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt or negligent. And so these other leaders that are going to be placed below Daniel on kind of the authority uh, and the authority of the land, they come up with this plan and they, they tell the king, King Darius, that he needs to make a law that says nobody can pray to anybody for about a month except for King Darius. And he does this and he puts it into writing. And then in Daniel 6.10, we read, now when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows were open towards Jerusalem. Three times a day, he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God, just as he had done before. And so Daniel is thrown into a lion's den, Daniel 6.16. So the king gave the order, And they brought Daniel and threw him into the lion's den. Jonah and Daniel both end up in isolation in the midst of big, scary animals. But the reason they end up there is so vastly different. For Jonah, he ends up in isolation because he flees God and he needs to repent. And Daniel ends up in isolation because he is faithful to God and doesn't have a need to repent. These stories are vastly different in why these men end up in isolation. And, and I want to point out something I'll point out every time in this series. The reason that we are in isolation is different from both Daniel and Jonah. I'm sure there are people right now, at least on the internet, saying, look, this pandemic has come because God is punishing America and, and wants repentance and all that. Uh, we don't know why, why God is allowing this pandemic to happen. But I want to make clear that the reason that these people are in isolation is not the same as the reason we are in isolation. But we can learn from how they respond to that isolation. We can learn from what God does through that isolation. Here's the deal. One needed to repent and one needed to remain faithful. Some of us need to repent and some of us need to remain faithful. The story of Jonah, I mean, there's, there's a couple of really cool things as we kind of read about him and the fish. And, and the first is that it says God provided the big fish to swallow Jonah. Now, I don't want to make too big of a deal because it would be bad exegesis, but, but I think it's really important that we, that we kind of look around right now and in the midst of our struggle with isolation and the sadness that's happening in the world. And, and I think it's really important that we look around and ask the question, what is God providing for me in the midst of this difficult season? In the midst of this isolation that we are facing, what is God providing for you? Now, I don't, I don't just mean like God has given you enough toilet paper and enough food and a, and a house if he's given you all of those things. Or maybe some of you still have income and, and you can see the provision there. But I mean, like what things are special and unique about how God is providing for you during this season? I mean, here's, here's a couple that, that come 
to my mind. Maybe, maybe you have a rough marriage and, and, and one of the things that's causing it to be rough is that you're focused on your jobs and, you know, and your careers and, and moving forward in those things. And, and you haven't spent enough time together. Maybe God in this moment is, is providing you extra time with your spouse, time unencumbered by the stresses of, of work and day-to-day tasks. I don't know. Maybe some of you have not had the time that you want to spend with your kids and to invest in your kids. Maybe some of you have never spent time investing in a godly way in your children before because life is life and they got to get to school and they got to get their homework done and their sports and there's all of this stuff, right? Maybe God right now is providing you an opportunity to invest in your children a new way. Maybe some of you struggle to find time to pray or to read the Bible. And, you know, for as long as you can remember, you've, you've been uh, saying, well, if I just had more time, well, maybe God is using this time of isolation to provide you with more time so that you can engage his word and engage him through prayer. I think it's really important as we, as we read, God provides this fish for Jonah to let it remind us that maybe in the midst of all these things that are happening right now, all these bad things that are happening right now, that maybe God is, is using it for our good by providing us some things that we, that we have needed for a long time. So I hope that you will from this sermon, at least, at least partly come away from this and, and, and ask the question, what is it that God is providing for me through this time of isolation that I really needed? Now, Jonah spent three days in this fish, and in Jonah 2, uh, you know, the, the only thing we read about his time inside this fish is, is really uh, one big prayer. And, and there's some really important stuff in this prayer. Let me just hit on some of the big points. In Jonah 2, 1, it says, In my distress, I called to the Lord, and he answered me. From deep in the realm of the dead, I called for help, and you listened to my cry. As I mentioned, last week's sermon was about crying aloud to the Lord. And I I hope that this was clear, but I want to make it even more clear as we look at it through the lens of Jonah, that God will hear you. Here's Jonah in the midst of the sea, having run from God, having put sailors' lives in danger. And Jonah turns his attention to God. He cries aloud to the Lord and God hears him. Him, no matter what you've done or how far away you've tried to run from God, no matter how long you've been rejecting him, no matter how strongly you've been rejecting him, I want you to know that if you will cry aloud to the Lord, God will hear you. Now, this is really important because of something Jonah says in Jonah 2.7. He says, when my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. The word for I remembered is, is most often used in the Old Testament in the context of prayer. It's a word that means more closely or more similarly uh, to the English word recognize and not just remember. The idea is recognizing God. The word is very similar, in fact, to the New Testament word for repentance. The New Testament word for repentance is a word that talks about doing a 180, turning and going in the opposite direction when it's used in terms of of godly things. It's talking about leaving a life of sin and turning around, recognizing the importance of God, the grace of God, the mercy of God, and and then moving towards him, leaving the sin behind. 
Jonah in this moment, deep in the sea, having run from the Lord, having rejected God's will for his life, he recognized the Lord. In other words, he chose in that moment to repent and turn towards God. Remember, he was running from God, and now it says that he prayed to, to God towards his holy temple. His, his affections, his mindset, his heart, his desires, they returned to God. Here's, here's what I think is so important. Here's one of the things that I think God wants to do in a lot of you in the time that you have in isolation. I think that it, God wants many of you to repent. Now, for some of you, that means repenting and giving your life to Jesus. Listen to this in Acts 3.19. Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that the time of refreshing may come from the Lord. Let me read it again. Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. Some of you need to repent so that your sins may be cleansed so that you can have the forgiveness of Jesus. Let me tell you what we believe as Christians, man. We believe that each and every one of us is a sinner. Each and every one of us has done exactly what Jonah has done, at least metaphorically. We've, we've heard what God wants from us. We can feel what God wants from us. We can recognize what God wants from us, but we have, we've said, I'm going to run away from that, and I'm going to flee that, and I'm going to reject that, and I'm going to go the opposite direction. But God looked down from heaven and instead of saying, you know what, I'm going to let you die in the ocean of your sin. He came down in the person of Jesus. Jesus lived a sinless life where he never rejected God. He never fled from God. He never went the other way from God. And at the end of that sinless life, he died a sinner's death. He died as though he had rejected God outright. And, and he died the worst brutal death. It was physically horrible. Uh, but spiritually, he paid the price of hell. He paid for our sins. Three days later, he came back from the grave, conquering death forever for all who will believe in the sacrifice that he made and, and choose to become his followers. Now, some of you, listen, some of you, Right now, you're like Jonah. You're just going this way. You're running from God. And in the midst of this isolation with all of the scary things going on around us, I think that God wants to use it in your life to say, hey, turn your attention to me. Remember me. Recognize me. Repent of your sins. Turn from me so that I may wash away your sins and we may come into a relationship that will last for eternity and will offer you a chance one day to be with me in eternity in heaven. I think that God wants to use this in some of your, your lives to just draw you to salvation through repenting of your sin and giving your life to Jesus through saying, God, I believe that I'm a sinner, but I need forgiveness from that sin. I believe Jesus that you died for that sin. And so I will give you my life and I will come towards you instead of running away from you. There's this cool thing about repentance. Listen to Romans 2, 4. 
Or do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness, forbearance and patience, not realizing that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance? Sometimes repentance, you know, the idea of it is like, man, I need to feel sorry and sad and guilty and all of those things. But biblically speaking, the idea of repentance is not a feeling. It's a decision to come to God when you've been running away from God. And in Romans 2, 4, it says it's God's kindness that leads to that. And and I think that some of you, even some of you who are Christians, there are things in your life that are wrong. There are things in your life where you are not living the way that God wants you to. You are rejecting God. Jonah is a person who follows God. He's a prophet for crying out loud, but he does not want to witness to preach to the people in Nineveh. And so in this specific area of his life, he is going away from God. And I wonder as we face isolation right now as Jonah did, if there's, if there's things in your life that you know are wrong, there are things in your life that don't look like God wants them to look. And maybe just maybe God is whispering in your ear and saying, hey, turn around. Maybe God's kindness is being poured out on you so that in the midst of this isolation, you will be reminded to turn to God in that area. I don't know what it is for you, but maybe you struggle with anger. Maybe you struggle with, with sexual sin. Maybe you, you struggle with, with lying. I don't know. Maybe you just haven't been living for God in any way recently. But, but right now, I think one of the things that God can do that is good in the midst of all the bad that we are facing is remind you because of his incredible kindness to turn around in that specific area of your life and start to live for him again. No matter what it is that you need to change, I would encourage this morning that you change it if you are not living the way that God wants you to live. Let isolation be a reminder to repent and return to God in every single way. Second Peter 3, 9 says, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Let me just be clear. If it wasn't clear earlier, I don't think that God caused this pandemic to bring repentance. That's not how I view God. That's not what I think the Bible says about God and his character and nature. I do not think that God caused this pandemic to bring repentance, but I do believe that God wants to use this pandemic and the isolation connected to it to bring repentance to you if you need to repent. And then Jonah says this other thing in verses eight and nine. Those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them. But I, with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will make good. I will say salvation comes from the Lord. That little note about worthless idols, a lot of people think that this is included in the book of Jonah for future generations future generations who would turn from God and cling to worthless idols. What is an idol? It's anything that we place in the place of God. An idol is anything that we put above God. It's anything that we put in the place of God. And Jonah refers to them as worthless. I mean, he's saying no idol can save you. There is nothing else that can save you when you're drowning in an ocean besides God. And man, I think that some of you are are drowning in oceans this morning, like the ocean of fear, the ocean of failure, the ocean of sin, the ocean of guilt, the ocean of, of just not knowing what is next and being constantly anxious about it. And you can turn to a lot of things. 
to try to find rescue and salvation from that. But they're all worthless idols. They really have no power to bring you the hope and the peace and the love and the joy that you deserve. The only one who can do that is, is our God, our God. Jonah just wants you to know that when you turn to idols, you are turning from God's love. When you place your hope and your faith and your trust in any person or anything, you are actually turning from the love that God wants to bestow on you. I, I, I think that I think that our government is important. I think our experts are important. But if you are finding your true hope in them, th- then then you are forgetting in some ways that it's God who has the power to save. I think that we should follow guidelines and and listen to people. But if you are making anything or anyone an idol, you are turning from God's love for you. Salvation comes from the Lord and nowhere else. After this, Jonah was was vomited on a dry ground. He was rescued. And now we look at Daniel's story. In Daniel 6, 19 through 23, after he's been thrown in the lion's den, King Darius goes home and he's, he's really worried. He wants Daniel to be okay because he likes Daniel and he's an important leader in their nation. And this is what we read. At the first light of dawn, the king got up and hurried to the lion's den. When he came near the den, he called to Daniel in an anguished voice, Voice, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to rescue you from the lions? Daniel answered, may the king live forever. My God sent his angel and he shut the mouths of lions. They have not hurt me because I was found innocent in his sight, nor have I ever done wrong, any wrong before you, your majesty. The king was overjoyed and gave orders to lift Daniel out of the den. And when Daniel was lifted from the den, no wound was found on him because he had trusted in his God. I love that. He trusted in his God. There's two really important things to recognize about Daniel in this story. I mean, first he was found innocent, right? I mean, he was found innocent in God's eyes. I love that this king even says like this God whom you serve continually. And I would hope that we would be known that way as people who serve God continually when our neighbors and our friends and our coworkers and our family members, when they look at us, the way that they want to describe us is simply this. They are a person who serves God continually. I think that while some of us, some of you need to repent, there's others of us who need to be reminded by the story of Daniel that even in the midst of isolation, we should continue to serve God faithfully. That is what God wants from us. But also we need to trust God. We need to trust God. In Hebrews 11.33, that, that passage about, about faith and people of faith in, in Hebrews 11, the chapter is about that. In Hebrews 11.33, it mentions the shutting the mouths of lions. One commentary by Jameson, Fawcett, and Brown says this, his belief was not with a view of miraculous deliverance. He shut his eyes to the event, committing the keeping of his soul to God in well-doing as unto a faithful creator, sure of deliverance in a better life, if not in this. 
When it says that Daniel trusted God, Daniel did not trust God to shut the mouths of the lions. Daniel did not trust God to pull him out of that lion's den alive. Daniel trusted that no matter what happened to him in that lion's den, God was going to take care of him. I know that a lot of us are worried about what's going on right now. I mean, we're worried about sickness. Uh, Many are worried about death. We're worried about the economy. We're worried about the future of our nation. We're worried about a lot of different things right now. And here in the midst of a lion's den, we have this incredible example of, of what we should do in isolation. And that is continue to trust God. Not trust God that, you know, we will come out of this with the same amount of money that we had before. Not even to trust God that we won't get sick. It's just not how it works. But to trust God that no matter if we get sick, trust God no matter if our finances completely fail, to trust God even if we die, that he will take care of us with his righteous right hand. That's what the story of Daniel teaches us. We need to remain faithful to God in the midst of isolation. And we need to trust God uh, with whatever happens in the midst of isolation. But here's what's so cool. This word that the king says in the middle of it, has your God rescued you? Here's what I know is absolutely true for all of us. God wants to rescue us. He wants to rescue us for eternity, an eternity spent with him where there is no more sorrow and no more pain and no more struggle and no more hurt, none of those things. And and as you face isolation, you may forget that we serve a God who is a God of rescue. And I don't know if he'll choose to rescue us and and take away the long-term ramifications that we fear in our country and in our world because of COVID-19, but I know that God will rescue me for eternity no matter what happens here. And this is made so clear in what happens after the isolation. Listen to this. This is so crazy. Jonah 3, 4, and 5. Jonah began by going a day's journey into the city, proclaiming, 40 days and Nineveh will be overthrown. The Ninevites believed God. A fast was proclaimed and all of them from the greatest to the least put on sackcloth. Jonah goes into the city of Nineveh as he kind of promises God while in the middle, in the belly of the fish. And, and he, he preaches this really horrible cinema, or excuse me, cinema. He preaches this really horrible sermon. He says, 40 days and Nineveh will be overthrown. I mean, what a terrible effort at preaching, right? And guess what happens? God uses that really terrible sermon to cause the nation to repent and they are rescued from the wrath of God. In Daniel 6, 25 through 27, this is after Daniel is brought out of the lion's den. Then King Darius wrote to all the nations and peoples of every language and all the earth, May you prosper greatly. I issue a decree that in every part of my kingdom, people must fear and reverence the God of Daniel. For he is the living God and he endures forever. His kingdom will not be destroyed. His dominion will never end. He rescues and he saves. He performs signs and wonders in the heavens and on earth. He has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. What happens here? God takes the isolation of these two people and and he causes it to result in the rescuing of an entire city and and entire nations in the case of Daniel. I believe that God wants to use this time of isolation 
to lead lots of people into a relationship with him. I believe that God wants to use this time of isolation to rescue many, many sinners. I've already said it, but I want to say it again. If you're one of those sinners that have never given your life to God, I believe that he's looking down from heaven and saying, I want, I want to rescue you. I want to save you from your sin. I want to save you from death. I want to save you from hell. And I want to save you for a relationship with me and for peace and for love and for joy and for an eternity in heaven where there is no more sorrow or pain or struggle or sickness. I think that some of you need to be rescued. And I hope that today you choose to allow God to rescue you. I hope that this isolation that we are now facing will be a pivotal moment in your story where you look back and say, you know what? I was rejecting God. I was not, I was not into God. I wasn't going to follow God. I didn't want anything to do with God. But as all the sickness and the sadness was around me, I heard the whisper of God's voice saying, I want to rescue you. And I chose to be rescued. I chose to be rescued. I think that this time of isolation is, has reminded people of several things. A, a buddy of mine pointed out a few of those the other day, a pastor friend of mine on a Facebook um, post. And and, and I thought he was spot on. Uh, two of them, I think, are really important. People now realize uh, that we are not as in control as we want to be. We're not as in control as we want to be. Uh, we think sometimes that we have it all figured out and we can put our plans and our calendars together and you know that's what it's all about. But we are not as in control as we want to be. And people are now seeing that, that we just need others. We need relationship and and I think, man, I think if you are a Christian, then, then, then a lot of people around you right now who need rescue are open to the idea of being rescued in ways that they probably weren't a month and a half ago because they recognize how, uh, how little control they have over their own lives. They rec- recognize that they need relationship and, and maybe they recognize a loneliness inside of them, a void that only God can fulfill. And so I hope that you'll, that you'll share the gospel with people. I hope that some of you will give your lives to Jesus because of that story that I told you about him dying for your sins. But, but for, for those of us who are Christians, I hope that we, will, that, we will, that we will point people to Jesus as they deal with all the struggles that, that they are dealing with right now. Jonah 4.2 says this incredible thing. Now, Jonah preaches, the Ninevites repent, and then Jonah's really angry at God. He didn't want them to repent. He wanted them to be, uh, he wanted them to be punished and punished harshly. But God, but God rescues them. And, and then in Jonah 4, 2, Jonah says this to God. And he's angry. Keep in mind, he's angry. I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. I think right now that all of us need to recognize that our God is gracious and compassionate. I think all of us need to recognize that. We need to look for the way he is providing for us in the midst of isolation. We need to ask ourselves, if there's anything that we need to repent of? And then we need to allow ourselves or speak truths into the lives of others that allows for them and pushes them to be rescued by God for eternity. I believe that God that God wants to use this time of isolation to rescue us, 
to rescue us from things that we're struggling with, to rescue us from our sins and to rescue us for a relationship with him. Let me pray that in your life, you'll find how God wants to work and how he wants to rescue. Lord Jesus, I pray for every person who's watching God, uh, even the people who just tuned in about you know 10 seconds ago, God, I pray for every person who's listening to this. I, and I ask God that, that they would see your hand at work in the midst of this time of isolation and pandemic and fear and sickness, that they'd see God, that while you didn't cause this, you are working in the midst of it and you, you are going to use it for the good of all who love you. I pray, God, that people would see ways that you are providing, unique ways that you are providing because of this isolation. I pray, God, that people would see places and areas of their lives that they need to repent in, and they would be like Jonah, God, and recognize and return to you, Lord. I pray, God, that, that people would trust you right now, Lord, that they would continue to remain faithful to you and they would trust you with the results. No matter what happens here on earth, they would trust that you have their souls in your hand and you will take care of them. And I pray, God, I pray, God, that all of us would be, who are Christians would be witnesses to the truth of your gospel as people are scared and lonely and isolated. And I pray, God, that in all of it, we would remember that you are a God who is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in love. You are a God who relents from sending calamity, God. You are a God who rescues. And I pray that we would worship you because of that. I ask these things in Jesus' name, amen. If God's used my sermon this morning, I, I just wanna ask you, implore you, to uh, first of all, respond to him. You know, it's really easy to say good sermon. I say this almost every week when we're gathering together, but it's really easy to say good sermon. I like that. It made me feel something, but, but that's not that important. What's important is making a decision to live differently because of what you've heard from scripture this morning. And so, man, if God's calling you to repent of your sins and become a Christian, just do it. Don't wait. This could be the moment where God is calling you. And, and, and I would hope you would not reject that moment because maybe, maybe you won't hear God voices clearly in the future. And maybe some of you need to repent of sin. Maybe some of you uh, have not remained faithful. Maybe some of you are remaining faithful, but you want to, you want to continue that. And you, you're finding that you're, you're just getting weaker and you're struggling. Maybe some of you need to remember to trust God and you've been scared and, and you're freaking out about this whole thing. And, and now you just want to bow your head and say, I trust God, whatever, whatever it is, bow your head before the Lord and make commitment to do what you've heard God call you to do, whispering in your ear, in your soul this morning. And if you do that, please, please, please let us know by going to creekside.me slash respond, creekside.me slash respond and filling out the form there. We would love to know how God's used this service to impact you. And I would love to be able to follow up with you and offer you help, offer to pray for you, anything that you need based on kind of what you tell me on that form. So please go to creekside.me slash respond.